Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. 
in just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. You sound just like Kathleen Turner. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> let's rock and roll. Let's make it happen. Let's make music. Let's make money. Oh, wait, we don't make money. <laughs> this show... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have we have a we we serve a wait. We either we have a different mission or we serve a higher purpose. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that was good. All right, that was let's good. start. No, I, well, that's too late. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm just. Are we knee deep? Well, we're getting we're we're wading into the depths. That's the okay. truth. That's the Got truth it. of it. Uh, I I uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're not. Um, you know. In bed, you sound you sound sure. good. You sound good. I sound good considering I've got an ear infection. So maybe I don't sound good. If you have an ear, I, in, ear I, infection, I only half hear you. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, we we've, we've got a lot. To, well, I I worry. I don't worry. I'm not really worried. I'm not oh, the good. worrying type. But but I am uh, I am aware that tonight's show could uh, we will not finish the conversation that we're going to have tonight <laughs> in the time that we will be having it. And I'm just aware of that because that conversation could take days. Uh, so I think we just, we just do with what we got. That's the, I'm going to pre-apologize to you that I know we're not going to finish. Oh, is that fair? That's all right. I think I, th yeah, this is, this is, uh, this is kind of a, a flagship uh, tonight. We're going to be talking about aliens Z. Z. Did, yes. I, I, did I not pronounce that hard enough? <laughs> I, I just wanted to emphasize it. Aliens is, are going to be <laughs> talked about. and uh, But first, we need to talk about uh, you and your new identity. Where do people find you, uh, Dr. Nelson? At sodacreekfilm.com. They can find me there. They can find me at Rash Pixel. They can find me at Soda Creek Film on Twitter. Uh, Soda Creek Film on Facebook, everywhere. Excellent. Soda Creek Film. Excellent. And you should do that. Find the kindly uh, Andy Nelson uh, there. And you can find me at Pete Wright on Twitter. And at uh, RashPixel.tv is uh, probably the easiest way to track me down there. And Twitter. Facebook, too. Find me on Facebook. Been yes. getting a lot of good links on uh, on the uh, uh, on Facebook uh, related specifically to aliens and the uh, the alien saga. And uh, so we'll share some of those. Um and, but first, we have a couple of trailers we want to talk about. Uh, I think only I think this was a two trailer week. There were two, two trailer, worth and then we should about. just mention that I I finally did see the Avengers. Oh yeah, we should do. Do you want to do that first? Let's do that first. Do it. Tell me. Tell me where you stand on this movie. Well, I was I was very very happily um, 
I, I shouldn't say happily surprised. I guess I, I was hoping it would be good. And so I, I kind of got what I went in expecting. So that was great. I, I thought they, just like you said, they did a great job taking a story with a large group of, of characters that all needed story time. And they actually found a way to give them all story time, develop all their stories, and and keep it not just focusing on one person, but they found a way to actually uh, have a story about a team, which I thought was really impressive. I, I'm glad to hear you say that. I think, you know, when I think about team movies, teams that are larger than four, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, because I'm, I'm thinking specifically about, well, you know, like Mission Impossible, that's kind of a team that's, movie. That's and, the uh, one that comes to my mind that for me was a failure. Uh, only because of that you're talking about the mission impossible one or this Uh, this whole series well really i think the whole series to me well no i think that they got back on track uh around three and four but one and two felt more just like any other james bond or you know lone fighter i mean they they kind of reintroduced some team elements to it i guess but it never felt like a team story no it really didn't i don't even think i mean i i really liked ghost protocol i thought it was terrific but it it didn't it did not satisfy the team uh the team structure the way i think uh avengers did and i think it did exceptionally well yeah you're right i mean i like the team itself that they had in ghost protocol yeah but but it was still it it was still ethan hunt i mean that was his his gig everybody else did what he said Right, right. I agree. Yeah, this was really a team effort, uh, and it was all about them working together and dealing with each other, and it was great. I like. I'd be hard pressed to say which one was the central focus of the story. Yeah, I think that's. I I think that's really it, and I think that's a. a you know, I was talking. I was actually talking to my dad about this today. And and he said, you know, I mean, of, uh, of course they they you know because we were talking about all the kind of a list action and you know actors that were in this thing, and right. he said, uh, well, of course they were all excited about it because they all have their own franchise out of this gig. Like when you think about, I mean, now you know, you, you think about Tony Stark and and um, uh, and he's got two movies and another one uh, coming and uh, right. you know what are they going to do a Black Widow movie? I can only assume. They certainly um, could. Hey, sure, I would see it twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody's got their own franchise out of this, and so of course they're all going to come play nice. I mean, I didn't get the feeling that any one of the sort of character performances was trying to outshine the other. So I'm I'm thrilled to hear you say you you uh, you like this. I'm... The the one thing that I you know I, I think was just for me I, I wouldn't even say it was a disappointment but it just wasn't exciting was the aliens the uh, and I, I mentioned this to you earlier but. They just seemed kind of blah. It's just like, oh, we need some massive force to come in and be the guys that get smashed. <clears throat> uh, let's pick these bland aliens as the, as the ones to do that. And that kind of left me a little, you know, disappointed. But I liked the big giant caterpillar, flying caterpillar things more than the little aliens on the jet jet skis or whatever. You know, I I think uh, I think you're uh, all right. You know, that was one of those things I've been thinking about. I I grant you, uh, you know, maybe the aliens could have used some more oomph, but but really, you said it. I mean, the the purpose they serve in the movie is not to be the scary alien force. They the purpose they serve in the movie is to be a target, yeah. to be smashed. I mean, that's the that's why they're there. A lot of of pixels on the screen to be destroyed. 
Because that's what I want to see. I don't want to see scary aliens running. I want to see explosions of aliens, and that's I don't need them to be that exciting to be targets. Well, but you know there are ways to make it uh, to have an ending with a bad guy where you feel because you know your good guys are only as strong as your bad guys. Well, and Loki, and, I think, was an exceptionally great bad guy for this well, film. He was great, but and the I mean one of the best parts of the movie is when Hulk when the Hulk you know, yeah, that was... pounds him and just puny god puny after god, he smashed yeah. him. I mean that was great. Yeah. I mean that whole bit was great, but then Loki's out of the picture until they come back, pick him up and arrest him and all right, all and right. that was it. And it's like, okay, I, I could have used a little more uh excitement with the bad guys there. But you know, all in all, it was uh it was very fun and I absolutely loved the Hulk. Uh, just they did such a great job with, uh, or Mark Ruffalo and Joss Whedon all together did such a great job with the Hulk. No, you're right. I hate this movie. <laughs> that totally ruined it for me. I'm done. I, I'm done talking about. It. I hope they don't make a sequel because yeah. this was a waste. <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> I want to go see The Great Gatsby. Ah, there. Now we're back. Now we're talking trailers. Segway, right? Wow. I guess that was a segue. Right? I, I, I hope they are planning a Great Gatsby too. Already, I want to see. I, hope so too. I want to see the sequel. With what's it, what's his buddy's name? Nick. Nick Carraway. Nick Carraway. He'll have his own franchise. He's going to be his own. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! This is a fascinating movie. This is Baz Luhrmann. Um, uh, Baz Luhrmann uh, next to Baz Luhrmann film and I, yep. uh, uh, you know I, all of Baz Luhrmann's films I, I can't I mean you think about Romeo and Juliet, um, uh, Moulin Rouge, uh, uh, g- give me more oh he did the uh, what did he do Strictly Ballroom Strictly Ballroom right uh, yeah. I, pretty much name the movie and the 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 I go through the exact same kind of emotional response to it Ugh. did you see Australia. Yes. That was atrocious. <laughs> yes. No. And then that's, that's okay. Except for that movie. Yeah. Except for that movie. Because the, the, I had not thought about that. I, you know, I, I've written that one off. But the, all of them, I, I go through the same emotional connections, which is, oh, Baz Luhrmann's doing another thing. And then it gets closer. And I think, oh, I should really see this. And then I don't see it because invariably somebody who I consider to be a maudlin drama queen will come into my life and say, Oh, you're going to love XYZ movie. It's Baz Luhrmann's movie. And so (laughs) was that me? Are you pretending that's me? (laughs) No, but it very well could have been. Uh, It could be. It could have been. Yeah. And and then, Oh my God, I just love Baz. (laughs) Oh, Baz can do no wrong. And then I see it. Year, sometimes years later, and I fall in love with it. And that's, I mean, Moulin Rouge is the one that, that really sticks out. I, I really love Moulin Rouge. Yeah, and, uh, and, and so, I, you know, Strictly Ballroom, terrific. So, but you're right. Australia was a tough one. That was a tough sit. Yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. It's but a shame for a country that I'm so in love with. And yeah, and and you would think he would be uh, have have done uh, better work with that too. Yeah, uh, one one would think. Uh, yeah. But but I really uh, wow I uh, I'm intrigued by this. I don't remember the hip hop baseline being quite as prevalent in in uh, you know the 1922. Uh, York. Kind New, York, of New, New York, York sort of Long Island set. I, I don't remember that. Um, it's like they got all the flapper costumes and the fancy shiny clothes. 
Nor do I think that that the vehicles could drive like ninety miles an hour yeah, down I don't the road. Remember, but, <laughs> I remember I that either. Wrong. <laughs> this is I I want to say this is based on a comic strip uh, <laughs> more than the uh, the Fitzgerald book, but uh, this this should be an interesting interpretation of of Gatsby played by Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, and um, you know let's see who else is uh, Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, um, uh yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I'll watch it. It comes out Christmas, so we've got our yeah, we've got, we some, got time some time to kill before it, uh, it rolls around. But um, yeah, it'll uh, be this will be an interesting one. Um, I the uh, so the trailer the trailer hit this week. The other one that hit this week is the new uh, Skyfall teaser. Mm, James uh, um, James twenty three. What do we uh, what do we think about this? Well, it's a teaser. It's definitely a teaser. You don't get a whole lot out of it at all. Um, and, you know, I don't I didn't even really get a sense as to what the story was without reading the little blurb that came on the, the Apple trailers page that said that, you know, they have to deal James and, and uh, M have to deal with something coming back from her past. Yeah. That sure doesn't pop up in the trailer. No, you don't get that either. No, this is. I mean, a, it, it looks fun. Demon. It's got the fun James Bond lines. I, I'm looking forward to it. Some men are coming to kill us. We're going to kill them first. God, I mean, I could. I'm going to say that all over the, all over. I wish it. You know, I wish I could use it in more contexts. <laughs> really, there's one context. Hey, there's really <laughs> only one context that yeah. you can use that. In. Yeah. So yeah. when I find some men who are coming to kill me and another party, mm-hmm. then I can do that. But. uh Anyway, so I'm uh, no, I'm excited. Or, about or it. you could be killing them with kindness. I could, or comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, See, there's more. No, you're right. You, you know, this is a fairly. Uh, it turns out this is a very fluid, a fairly fluid line. I could use this for more places. That's good. Yep. Uh, so I'm excited about that. That one comes out. Uh, that one actually comes out pre- pretty soon, right? That's um, well, it is a 2012 all... film. So this year, yeah, at least. A... October? October is it? I can't remember what it said at the I'm end. I'm looking but... at it. I can't either. <laughs> anyway, so that looks good. I'm excited to see that one, and um, and so I will. I will see that one. I don't know. We're going to have to start our series, uh, you know, like we're doing for Aliens. If if we're going to do that with Bond, oh my goodness, we may have to that's preempt. Gonna, that's going right to take now. us uh, two years. Well, it won't take two years. It'll take a half a year. Boy, I'm off on my math. <laughs> it's my inner ear. <laughs> calculations <laughs> apparently that's where my math skills reside two years half a year it's all the same do you uh so you know one of the things that uh, that i've been i mean we've got let's see are there any other big movies in 2012 that you're really excited about yes uh there's well yeah i mean there's snow white and the huntsman which i think is going to be a fantastic film yeah any that we haven't talked about though Oh, that we haven't talked yeah. about any that are sticking. Have we out? talked? Have we talked about the Born Legacy? You know, we haven't. I I, I don't know that we've talked about that one much. I am. I'm very excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm very excited about yeah. that one. Jeremy Renner um, uh, of Hawkeye and suddenly everything else fame. Yes, that's uh, one right. One of those actors who's just kind of shown up. But it, Ghost Protocol, this uh, Avengers. God, he's been in a lot of stuff all of a sudden. Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Well, yeah. I mean, it all kind of stems. Yeah, it all Locker. comes off of Hurt Locker. So that's uh, that's terrific. Men in Black Three is coming out. Looks kind of funny. You know, Josh. I Josh Brolin. Don't know if I. On. I don't know if I saw the second one. I think I'm going to have to see the second one before I. No, I don't know don't. if I should. I've heard you bad don't. things about the you second. You don't. One. You don't need to see the second one. Uh, Jermaine Jermaine Clement uh, is is in it. I'm very excited about Jermaine. Uh, so that'll be good. Um, 
I don't know much about Jack the Giant Killer. Um, that uh, Ewan, is... Ewan McGregor. Um, yeah, is it? Uh, this is oh, a Brian Brian Singer's. Yeah, yeah. Film. So I, I don't know much um, about this one. I'm excited about that one. I think it's going to be an interesting take on the um, Jack and the Beanstalk story. Um, what do you know about uh, Dread? Um, uh, nothing. As, is that D R E A D? D R E D D. Okay, as this in is, judge. As in judge, and it's it's uh, you know, Carl uh, Urban uh, is playing. I assume Judge Dread. And it's, Boy, it's in post, uh, and it's the, coming out this year. It, the Rob Schneider vehicle that came out in the late '90s was so perfect. Why, why redo it? <laughs> I, well, uh, one one would think that, uh, but you know, they brought they, they're doing Total Recall again. Maybe, maybe this. I mean, it's Lena Headley, uh, Lena Lena Hetty, Carl Urban. Uh, it, you know, this is Carl um, uh, Urban. We I, I love as uh, Bones from Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek is exciting me again because I had not made the connection that um, now his name is is I'm going to have a terrible time. Uh, cu- uh, cum- some something Cumberbatch. What's his oh, name? Yeah. Hawk. Uh, what's his name? Cumberbatch. Sherlock. Yeah, I know. Oh man, I dig that guy. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Um, and let's see. Uh, I I think that's it. I'm not terribly excited about Battleship. Uh, but it's been promoted so much i'll have to see it um but uh oh oh oh, oh there is one um benedict benedict <laughs> cumberbatch give me a minute all right that was good okay maybe i'm maybe i'm finished yeah all right let's move on and talk about this this stinking movie shall we yeah god let's just get it over with oh Oy. this okay here's what i was uh, what i've been thinking about all day about this movie that has really struck me i i texted you last night while i was watching it with my cat and uh my cat and i decide uh, we're talking about uh an interesting thing because we, we were talking last week about alien yeah, and, and how, did your did your cat feel the Jonesy connection going on too? Like no, like uh, in Aliens? N- no, uh, actually, she was really upset. She felt like Jonesy was, um, as I, I posted on Facebook, that Jonesy was a was a grotesquely underutilized um, asset in this film. Yeah, that's for sure. It was really uh, that was a part that was really missing. Uh, but but what was interesting? We talked about last week. We talked about uh, about how. Um, you know how alien redefined certain elements of science fiction and and horror fantasy kind of a thing and and the the way that that movie kind of is bookmarked in our own sort of personal timeline of watching movies and this one strikes me that i don't remember the theatrical release of this film like if really? more than any other movie this movie has been redefined for me by the director's cut I've seen the director's cut so many times that I have a hard time remembering what I saw in the theaters. Oh, sure, sure. Like I, it's not. It's like just it's it's this movie. Like the director's cut, the two hours and forty five minutes uh, uh, director's cut is like this is the when I think about a director's cut in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, well, Aliens was the first that mattered to me that did anything really significant with the movie, and it may have been. Um, uh, well, aside from like Close Encounters, which was an actual theatrical uh, director's 
cut that came out a few years later, but I don't recall there being a whole lot of director's cuts until after Aliens came out and and then subsequently the abyss and yeah you know, i think subsequently john uh, uh uh you know what's his name's movies um what's his name james cameron james cameron <laughs> john carmen james cameron's movies his, like he's his, a he's a dude you just german get, twin yes exactly you just get the feeling that he's never quite finished uh kind of like george although yeah. at least with james cameron and you know to his credit he this Aliens came out in a time when uh, this was 86. It came out when there were not these huge multiplexes everywhere. You know, I mean, I saw Aliens in a movie theater that had one screen. <clears throat> right? Right. The biggest theater in town was, I think, a th I think I, I don't think the six screen had opened yet. I think it was still a three screen theater that was the biggest in town. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a much bigger fight for screen space back in those days. And there was a much bigger uh, battle going on with the studios themselves about running time because they needed, instead of having it on three or four screens like they do now, um, playing everywhere, they, mm -hmm. they had to fight to have it on the one screen and have it playing as many times that day as they could. And so they were really, really adamant about getting movies released um, as two hours or under as much as possible. And so they really fought to get it shorter. And that's, that's why. And then that's why he was able later to release the, quote, director's cut the way that he wanted it initially to be released, which they just wouldn't let him do theatrically. All right, I'll buy that. I don't know if I'd like it. Well, it, but it's <laughs> yeah, right. But it's not like uh, you know, it's not like he walked into it knowing that you know, it's not like Orson Welles having the film taken away from him yes. when he was doing something else and having the whole thing just done on on you know on their own, and him coming in and going, "What's this? This isn't the movie that I made," right? You know? So it's not it's not that sort of thing. I mean, he still is the one who cut it down, and you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's still his. No, film. it's good. It's good. Yeah, but but you know you can kind of tell he he does this and he says oh you know if I can get away with this, maybe I could do Titanic in three D twenty years later, and now we have Titanic in three D. There and, is that, and that's not a good that's not a good precedent that he set that led to Titanic. I'm just saying, this is a guy who maybe things have gotten a little out of hand. I'm thinking intervention. <laughs> Okay, well, so at least he hasn't talked about Titanic two in three D. <laughs> so, so there's that, right? <laughs> if anybody could do, it. I, although he said that this was what he he just came out. And he said I've I've shut down uh, all other work on um, any properties that are outside of the Avatar universe. Did you read this? No, I didn't. But yeah. that's good to hear. He's done. He's done looking at anything that's not involved with Avatar. Somehow, does that mean he was trying to work on True Lies too? We should be so lucky. <laughs> okay. Or maybe it was a prequel. It was the True, <laughs> True Lies, Lies prequel. prequel. It was how they met. <laughs> no, really. I work in the computers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about what you love about uh, aliens. What, what is it that, what is it? How would you anchor a conversation uh, about aliens? Well, first off, Aliens, I, I very distinctly remember the theatrical release of this film. Um, 
I had a, you know, something akin to like a big brother in Big Brothers Big Sisters <clears throat> type of person in my life. And I had the, I, I, I went out, I saved my allowance and I went and I bought the Aliens official movie magazine. Right? Oh, you I remember totally, those? Oh, yeah. I've got all of my Star Wars movie magazines here. I am actually holding my pristine copy of, of my aliens magazine for aliens right now. <sighs> I, I still have it to this day. I've never let it go. So I had this and I read it and I wasn't allowed to see R rated movies yet at this time. Um, and so I was, you know, 13 when this came out and actually I was probably still 12 cause I think it came out. Um, I don't think it was summer. When did this come out? Um, July 18th. So I was, I was still 12 years old. And wow. uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to watch it. However, I read my movie magazine, which has a, a novelized version of it across its pages, right? Sure. So I read it and I said, and I told my big brother, I convinced him because he's 18. And I said, hey, look, I already know the whole story. I've read my magazine. I know everything that's going to happen, and I know that the only swear word in it, because <laughs> uh -huh. my parents were a little sensitive about me watching movies with a lot of swear words, I know the only swear word in the whole thing is at the end when she says, get away from her, you bitch. So I know that it's totally fine for me to go watch. So don't worry about <laughs> asking my mom. <laughs> Let's go. And I convinced him, I won out, and we went and saw it. And of course, it was so completely, um, there was so much more going on in the movie than was in my little novelized magazine version. <laughs> and there's obviously a lot more swearing going on than in my magazine version. Oh, so, um, dear. so it was a great experience for me. It was so great for that reason, because it was everything uh, and more that I wanted it to be. And, uh, and I just, and I knew I shouldn't have been watching it, um, or, you know, <laughs> and I loved it. It was great. So I had a great first memory of this film. It was the only time I actually ever saw it in the theater because I definitely wasn't allowed to go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh uh, yeah. In 1986, Andy Nelson became a man. <laughs> That's right. And then, uh. Uh, yeah, and then it was one of those VHS tapes that my buddy bought, and we burned through that as much as we could. And then, you know, by the time the director's cut came out, I, I think that's about when I had it on Laserdisc, and, and I don't think I've ever watched the original cut since. But see, so that's my point. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I say that I don't remember the theatrically. I remember going to the theater to see it, but I just don't remember the movie. Yeah. Uh, this, the, yeah, no, I, I'm totally... I totally but I very you. specifically remember all the all the differences. Yeah, that's and I don't know why I remember, but I do. That's like wasted cycles, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so um, it's like I'm Rain Man. Oh, that's you that's are. New. Oh, that's <laughs> new. That's new. That's new. It's like I've seen it like I don't know fifty times or whatever, and I'm still pointing out to myself. Oh yeah, that's one of the new things. Oh yeah, that's that's one of the new. <laughs> it's totally not uh, new anymore. <laughs> I know it's like it's been there. It is for literally like twenty years. It has now. been, yeah, it has been <laughs> it has been there longer than the movie was released in its original form. <laughs> oh man! Like, can you even get the original cut anymore? Like, yeah, if you were to order it somewhere, could you get it on Amazon or something? 
Well, the latest um, anthology that came out on Blu-ray of the four films has the original cuts and the theatr- or and the director's cuts okay. of all four films. Well, right. they don't call them all director's cuts since David Fincher was not involved in the third. But um, yeah, for yeah. all intents and purposes, they have extended cuts. Of yeah, all of them, yeah, we'll say fascinating. Okay, well. Um... All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about because uh, I, well I don't know do you, do you have a direction I sort of have a direction this is a tough one to talk about so this this movie um, well let's start at the beginning yeah start it with the origins of the story because I think it's interesting how it you know how it came about and then the, are you t- you're talking about the actual dramatic uh, storyline or the the, back, the no the, the writing of the script right? yeah. and everything yeah that right. that part is interesting so. Um, all right, so uh, go for it. Talk about uh, James Cameron, uh, the young James Cameron. The young and, and you know, kind of untested to that point, James Yeah, I Cameron. mean, he had just done uh, Terminator. Well, He was in the of. middle of doing, of, he, of rapping He hadn't Terminator. even, he actually started having meetings with uh, David Geiler um, about this movie, while the Terminator, as his spec script, was still kind of making its way around Hollywood. Right. And so, you know, um, James Cameron at the time was actually married to Gail Ann Hurd, who, so he kind of had an in. Um, but they had, um, somebody at Fox had said, oh, you should read this script, The Terminator, it's pretty good. And, and Geiler liked it, and he had a, a meeting with James Cameron, and they kind of talked about some ideas. Nothing was really working. And, uh, and then Geiler was just like... Uh, well, you know, we're thinking about maybe doing a, a sequel to Alien. And, you know, that was extremely exciting to James Cameron, even though he played it totally cool. He's like, oh, that would be, that'd be interesting. And so they kind of batted around ideas, and, and he said that he'd go off and write it. Now, he was already, I think he had already done the Piranha 2 sequel, <laughs> um, The Spawning. Right. Um, and uh, he would... From that and working with Roger Corman on something, um, he had, oh, gosh, let's see, he he had a couple writing assignments that he was doing right then. Like he well, was writing Rambo, right, First Blood Part Two, and something else. I can't remember. Oh, and the Terminator. Well, no, he wasn't doing the. He already had the Terminator. There's something else that he was also writing, and then he said that he would also write Aliens. And he he basically had like three months to get three scripts done, and and he crammed them all out somehow. Well, and, and, uh, and I, it, what I thought was interesting about that is that uh, you know according to Gail and Hurd and David Geiler, they they or Gail and Hurd says that um, you know we uh, they gave Cameron the opportunity to write the script. And said, you know, we like what's what we're seeing with Terminator, and and um, you know, we like where this is going, and we like your writing credits. If if you keep this same kind of energy, and Terminator is a success, yeah, you know, we might let you direct it. Right. But according to Gail and her, she said nobody at that time thought took that seriously. Like we just yeah. we knew it was a carrot, and nobody took that seriously. So when he actually got the nod to direct this movie, everybody was still sort of surprised that that had come. Yeah. I think a lot of that was because, you know, it's, at the time, I mean, it's the, the Terminator was a spec script and they were they weren't even sure if it would work. So so he ends up or does that is that an important um, 
uh, characterization that he, uh, the, in just sort of how the script came to him. And I, I mean, what, how does that, how does that relate to you? Well, do you think the success of the movie, like his, well, his... I think uh, here's, here's what I think is important about it is because James Cameron was so taken by alien by Ridley Scott's alien when he saw it and that entire universe. And he, he said to himself, he's like, there's no way that you can just write a sequel to this. That's just another horror movie that, uh, that, is going to be effective. You're basically just dumping a new group of people into the same world, and it's just like any other horror sequel that's out there. It's just going to be junk. And so he said, we have to do something new with it. We have to do something different. We have to take those elements that worked, but we have to find a way to do something new and unique to make it its own amazing story. And so what he did, and I think it was very smart, and you know, there's always the battle between the Rid- you know, Ridley Scott's Alien and James Cameron's Aliens, as far as which is better, but he said, I, I'm going to stay from the horror universe and I'm going to create a combat movie. I'm going to create kind of a sci-fi action movie instead. And that's what he did. And that's why I think it, it became a very standalone um, film and a very successful film on its own. And that's why I think the origin of the story is important because of the direction that he chose to take it and the, uh, the way that he decided to define that film. Uh, I think you have a really good point, uh, and, and I think that's why these movies work in particularly as a pair. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll talk next week about the, you know, how the subsequent films, you know, did and did not kind of meet the bar that was set by these movies, but really you get the feeling, the way, and, and I find it so fascinating because Aliens picks up 57 years mm-hmm. after, um, you know, the, the close of Alien, and you know, there are so many stylistic choices that were made in this movie and and um, sort of tempo choices, pacing choices, structural choices, uh, set design choices that make it feel uh, just really perfectly uh, advanced for 57 years, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. she wakes up and and yet the most important point is that it feels like it's you are you are really part of the exact same universe when you watch these two movies side by side like one after the other i mean you you really could uh w- with great fidelity i think just roll straight from one into the other and and cut them together and end up with um with a great very long single film experience that that works really well together and it ends up being uh, over the course of the two movie story arc um, you know, uh, really well paced. It's sort yeah. of a six act, seven act, uh, um, you know, screenplay structure, but it ends up being something that really works. Yeah, you're right. It's they're they're great films, and and I, I think that's James Cameron set a precedent when he uh, began working on this film by um, being very specific in his uh, paying homage and his respects to what Ridley Scott had done before and his and Ridley's team of people. You know, he very specifically wanted it to look and feel just like the same world. He actually studied the shooting style that Ridley had and watched how, you know, like so much so, like what types of lenses was he was he using? Like he saw that Ridley used a lot more long lens shots with a lot of, you know, things uh, foreground objects between, you know, or in front of the, the, uh, what we're watching. And so that's something that he hadn't really done in his films. And so he wanted to pattern himself after that as much as possible. And I think that 
is a testament to how important it was to make sure that it did feel like it was completely part of the same universe. You know, one of the things I think is really interesting that is a, a, a sort of a difference is is how the film uh, uses the the mystery of the universe that it that we exist in inside of. Uh, you know, in the first film, one of the things we talked about was the mystery surrounding sort of the the prime alien, right? Not the the horror alien, but the alien represented by the space jockey. Um, and, and how in the first half of the movie, there is, if you've never seen it before, you think you're going in this direction, right? You're, you think you're going in this, um, in a direction that, uh, you know, ultimately Ridley Scott knows he's not taking you. It's, it's the, the, the mystery itself ends up being kind of the MacGuffin. You think, you think that this is going to be a film about stumbling across this alien, um, you know, this alien spaceship. And what is this alien spaceship? And suddenly, um, right. The, you, you run into the eggs and there's a face hugger and, and, and the, the big, the key point, And, and what I stumbled on was this video, uh, this recent interview with Damon Lindelof, from on the verge with Joshua Topolsky and and he said something that I think was really key. Now Damon Lindelof is is a, a credited uh, sort of co-writer on Prometheus and so this is ends up being sort of part and partial to the overall alien discussion. He says what's so fascinating about the use of mystery is that the resol- the resolution to those early questions is secondary to their own survival, like the the character's right. survival, right? Right. What what Ridley Scott ends up doing is taking us down this this path and showing us this story that ultimately we don't need to care about and we can right. let go. That is not the same in Aliens, and I think that's part of of James Cameron's choice to to kind of be more upfront with the combat movie. It's not there is no mystery about sort of the 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 setting the gestalt of aliens that we are left saying oh my gosh you know what are we going to fight about at the at the end of this movie you know, what is the big mystery that that is not resolved i mean we know how it's going to be resolved what we're what what is intense for us is the experience as we're having it and, and that's in contrast to alien what is intense for us ends up being how the film unfolds in our minds after we see it that's what makes alien i think such a such a perfect film yeah uh whereas aliens uh, is such a, a a present film it's you enjoy it while you're in it uh like you know chinese food <laughs> but it's great chinese food no, it's absolutely i'm a major fan of chinese food major fan this is chinese food that delivers to your house it's that good it's it is i love aliens it is high on my list of movies we like it works and that's why i say it works so well as a partner to alien and the way they the stories are constructed it's just a different way to do it and i think it's worth noting um how alien alien in 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 so many as horrific as the horror was Mm -hmm. was much more gentle about how the story unfolded in 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 my opinion and i think aliens um you know i think was was more traditionally paced yeah i agree and i think i think that's okay i don't think there's any anything wrong no, with that no. and I, I think but i think you're right it, i think it does create something about alien that will always retain that mystery and that air about it that makes it such a unique film. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah. 
and aliens while you know i think it's you know also just a, as close to a perfect film as you can get it's it's much more of just a genre specific film and it's it's like a perfect sci-fi action film you know yeah. in the vein of predator or something like that it's it and but it's it's so well done but you're right it doesn't have that you know uh that general mystery about it that will that just makes it stick in your mind like it it hasn't it doesn't sear into your mind the way that alien does so. i th- i think that's it and i think that's uh i, I think that's an you know maybe that's a contextual point where we're looking at you know alien which is crafted by you know you know dan o'bannon and and ron shusett and and uh ridley scott these guys who had already had you know significant careers in in crafting story and james cameron was still pretty new and um you know his his role model was roger corman and uh, you know, I, I, it just reads to me as not quite as sophisticated a story structure when you compare it to Alien. That's all. That's my point. Sure, sure. I'm going to belabor that some more. No, I'm not. I'm going to stop talking. Uh, <laughs> the great thing about the director's cut, I think, is that at least it's giving us a, more depth to the story because a lot of the stuff that I think... Um had been taken out was was some of the maternal uh, nurturing stuff that that Ripley felt like she finds out that her daughter um, she gets that picture of her daughter from Burke finds out her daughter's been dead for years and um, he died of old age while she was in hypersleep drifting across the universe um, the, those sorts of moments I think um, pepper the the film with a lot more uh, depth and heart than uh, than the theatrical theatrical release had, um, and I think that's what makes it a stronger film. It, you're right; it's still not going to be kind of that same um, defining thing that uh, Alien was, but it's it's it still is a great film. That was the feeling that I got the first time I saw the director's cut was that it was one of those forehead like slapping moments where you think how how could he have let this bit go? Like this bit yeah. ends up being so important to Ripley's character. Yeah. And to her connection to Newt and that whole relationship. Yes, and why, why she, she cares yeah. at all about Newt. People are like the entire, uh, 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 colony has been decimated and, uh, and, and she is putting it all on the line for this little girl. And you see why, um, you know, why this connection ends up being so important to her. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, that magnified importance. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a big deal. It also makes, uh, I think Carter Burke's role, uh, even more uh, sort of worthy of, of, um, kind of, uh, disdain when you, when all of the secrets start to come out and he is, yeah. um, you know, he ends up being, uh, you know, I think Paul Reiser play is, is a terrific, performance from paul reiser uh, oh, i wish just, that he did more films like this i know i know i mean i he's a funny guy but man it's just so great seeing him in something like this it, it really i mean he was it's one of those keystone roles in the in the film and it was just i thought it was just pitch perfect mm-hmm. um so uh, okay do you want to talk a little bit about casting and how that came together well, or do you I, want to go somewhere else first? No, I think I think we let's yeah, let's jump into casting. I think the the first interesting note about the casting though is in this whole process of getting the script written and perfected and you know 20th Century Fox ended up once 
there's a changing of the guard there. And once they decided to start moving forward with it, which was several years later after he had done the Terminator and all that stuff, um, they were kind of geared up and ready to go. And then they went and presented a script to Sigourney Weaver. And they're like, hey, we're going to be shooting this in September. Um, are you interested in being on board? And she's like, uh, oh, I wish somebody had told me. Like nobody had talked to her or told her that they were really going to be moving forward with this. <laughs> and so so she ended up, um, I, I believe she, from this film, she was the first actress uh, because, you know, she kind of had them <clears throat> over the ringer. Um she was uh, paid a million dollars for the role, and I think she was the first actress to be paid a million dollars. I believe that is true. Role. The way I the way I understood it, she she said, "This is I want a million dollars," and they said, "You're insane," and went mm -hmm. back to James Cameron and said, "You know what? We really think you should go down the the road of of doing an alien script with no Ripley, <laughs> right?" And he threatened to walk. Yeah, and and once once the the sort of house of cards starts to fall apart, uh, you know, they they probably could have ended up with a with a nice predator feeling kind of a film, but um, you know, she ended up getting exactly what she wanted, as you say. Yeah, and I uh, and thank the heavens that they decided to do that because it's it's I think it was so so important to keep that story going for these films to be successful. Yeah. I think so too, and it it, yeah. it it's it ends up being an important film and an important contribution because of it. So that was that was uh, Sigourney Weaver. She was um, this this film really became about her. And I I remember reading that she was surprised when she read the script and found that it was it was quite so much a Ripley script. And mm -hmm. and I think that that was an a, that that ends up being a, a good decision. The the thing that you know I. The thing that I found interesting in looking at was was Michael Bean, uh, and and how uh, you know how he ended up in the in the film because he ends up you know it's a, he plays a principal character and, and uh, Corporal Dwayne Hicks, uh, but he was a replacement. Uh, it was originally supposed to be James Remar. Yeah. Who, um, you know, I, I think I know we know James Remar most recently uh, as as Dexter's dad. Uh, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He's usually the grizzled police chief. Yeah, right, right. Um, Sex in the City. Yeah. He's in the Cotton Club, 48 Hours. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of voiceover work, uh, uh, animated uh, voiceover work. Uh, but this was uh, this was an interesting one that he was originally supposed to do that and um, and was ousted. Um, I don't think he was ousted. He walked. Yeah, artistic differences between James Cameron. I mean, I think, yeah. you know. So uh, so they bring Michael Bean in, who was originally not supposed to be cast, but knew uh, Cameron from Terminator and and ended up walking, uh, flying out on a Friday to start shooting on a Monday. Skipped yeah. all of the pre, kind of the pre-drill training that the Marines went through uh, for weeks and weeks and just walked in to shoot. Right. Ends up being, uh, you know, I don't know. I would. Would you say which? How would you compare his, you know, grizzled, uh, male hero roles between this and uh, Terminator? Uh, well, what, which I do mean, you remember him for uh, more? Oh boy, that's tricky. I think they're both so important. I think, I think I remember him more for this film. Um, 
you know, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting question. They're both such different characters, but I I feel like I remember him more for this one just because um, Aliens stands out in my head more than the Terminator. Um, I saw it at a younger age. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I know. I I mean, I asked that question because it's a loaded question. I I think this is ends up being uh, kind of pivotal for his his career certainly, and I I think he I, I this is where I remember him from, sir. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the Marines, um, well, who would well, you like? Jeanette, Jeanette Goldstein. Right. Uh, I, you know, I'll just throw, throw her out there. Um, mainly because she's kind of a, a James Cameron regular. She's, uh, appeared in, I think all of his films except for, uh, Avatar. If I recall, she, and the funny thing about her is she's not Hispanic, uh, but she played, Vasquez in Aliens and right. and had kind of a tan, um, but she's the Irish mother with the children in uh, Titanic, right? And so it's, it just always strikes me that that's that's very funny that she, she is kind of and she gets a people. doesn't she get a sword through her skull uh, the T one thousand sword through oh, her skull in right. uh, Terminator Two? Nope, she has the sword. Oh. And Wait. she puts the sword through her husband's that's, skull. That's what it is. That's yes. what it is. Yeah. There's yeah. something about a sword and a skull. Yes. The sword yes. and the skull. She's already been killed by the T-1000. Right. So, uh, uh, Carrie Henn. Well, you know what's interesting about this, uh, the, about the casting of this film, is that because they shot it at Pinewood Studios in, uh, in uh, London. Right. And I had not thought about this, that in order to make this movie, they had to... Uh, go to great lengths to satisfy union regulations to find, to to go through every British union member who could possibly be in this film. Hmm. And because Cameron had set the standard that it needs to be an American, American, American military uh, organization, right? It really, he wanted the American accents, he American English accents. He wanted all of that sort of grizzled feel. Um, you know, the casting directors, whose name uh, escapes me all of a sudden, but she, uh, you know, her, she said it was uh, grueling uh, to do that because all the British, you know, all the even the British actors who came in to test for the the part, who had convincing, passable uh, American accents. Uh, she said they were too soft. Hmm. And even Americans who had been living and gotten their union cards, uh, British union cards, to come in and and, uh, and act, you know, as a local, uh, they were Americans, and they had grown too soft. <laughs> so and funny. so they, they ended up starting to ship people over uh, from the U.S. That's how they, they got around the, the regulations. Uh I, I hadn't made that connection that that was that would be a, a flaming hoop that they would need to jump through is to uh, is to go through the process of getting through all the British actors, especially when you have guys like Bill Paxton and uh, you know Paul Reiser and Lance Henriksen. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we should probably it's, and it's, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, it's just it's interesting that he that he chose that. I mean, I can see why why he did and i i you know i mean it's hard to picture anyone else in this film because i think they all work so well but it's uh it is interesting that he went through such a rigmarole to make sure that he cast it with just americans mm -hmm. so. so uh so lance henriksen oh yeah first of all 
talk talk a little bit about your impression of the android roles in this movie in these two movies uh well i i it's it's great the way that they played them off of each other and i think that was uh, a you know to james cameron's uh, screenwriting smarts that he chose to keep an android in the story um even but allow us to know about it from the from the start so that we were kind of skeptical as to whether he would be just working for the company um and uh, and the fact that he ends up you know really kind of helping all the way through to the end i thought was just it was great it's it's a nice way to kind of keep that element of the story going it's it, which know, they continue through well i guess there aren't any androids in the third one but there is in the fourth so uh, so it's something that they keep going with yeah, the fourth is an interesting playoff of that. I look forward to talking to that one. And it's but it's even more interesting in Prometheus, where it, it looks like we see um some of the universe. That's one of the areas where the universe sort of universes sort of collide here. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, is is looking at at the um kind of the, the kickoff of the Android revolution. Right, right, which will be very interesting to see. I'm excited. Right. right. Uh so uh, uh Lance Henriksen ends up being um and and no disrespect to uh Ian Holmes uh but I think Lance Henriksen is is really the definitive android in the series. I mean, that guy yeah is he just crushed it. He He's was great. He was yeah. the he he so brilliantly captured the the blend of just um sort of ego-free intelligence mm-hmm. and 12 year old pride yeah you know it was that it was that that space between uh you know i can i'm i'm gonna i'll be your trained monkey i'll do the knife trick mm-hmm. but you know i really would rather you not call me a you know an android or robot or but but rather an artificial Syn- uh, synthetic, or synthetic human. human right um so and and i take it back there is an android in the third movie and it's lance henriksen again it's another one of him. So, so yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I this is one of those where I need I'm I desperately need to see Alien Three again. That's not one of those movies that I put in very often. I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually are... remember that there was an Alien, Alien Three. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to uh, discuss our plans for that after this uh, recording. Right. right. Um. I, okay. Yeah. But Lance Henriksen, he's fantastic. He's so, fantastic. Yeah. Carrie Henn, we mentioned her. Right. Um, she was. Uh, uh, I I mean I think it was you know other than somebody who had done some commercials, her first film and as far as I know one of her only ones. Yes, uh, yeah. her brother was in it and cut. Mm. Well, uh, he's in the director's. He's cut. in the director's cut. Yeah, right. Her brother plays her brother. Right. Uh, yeah. Lucky, lucky uh, find. Uh, Bill Paxton. Game over, man. That uh, is one of the defining lines in in cinema history. You know, that line, I think, uh, goes down with uh, so many great movie lines that are just, in fact, I think that's almost more quotable than so many other movie lines. Like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That is a fantastic movie line. You don't hear it quoted that often, but Game Over Man, I hear quoted probably more than any other movie line because you yeah. can reference it in so many different ways. But it's the way he says it. That it's just... And that's... And that's what makes it a great line is because right. Bill Paxton as Hudson, man, the way that he delivered that line, the way he played the character, spot on perfect. The uh, You know, what I was surprised in, in terms of his 
his quotability it, it it's peppered throughout the film i i remembered game over man and that whole bit but uh uh you know i don't know if you've been keeping score but we've been getting our asses kicked like that just sort of whiny uh-huh. tone just it comes every time he speaks once they get into it every time he speaks there's something worth quoting he's great do you think this role uh did did this did this role damage um your impression of him in other parts that uh, he's played since mm, no i don't think so um because i don't think like i don't think when i watch something like apollo 13 i don't go mm, gosh all i see is hudson you know i like that doesn't happen to me see the uh, thing is he had just come off a of weird science where he was also a a, a that same sort of character. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he does aliens and, and then he's, you know, Apollo 13 twister Titanic. Yeah. True lies. Uh, but I, uh, I, I still to this day have trouble taking him seriously. I really do. I can't, I, I think he's one of the actors that I just really, uh, I, when I see him trying to speak normally, I see. Listen to me talk about it. I think he's trying to speak normally because he's he played that he played Hudson so convincingly. Yeah. So a testament to his role here, and I'm sorry, uh, Bill. You well, did, you, you should, did too good a job. You should see him in Near Dark because he's great in that. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten about Near Dark. That's right. And a Simple Plan. I thought he was great in a Simple Plan. And frailty. Did you see frailty? Wow. Him and Matthew McConaughey and no, and he I don't think that I actually well. saw. Uh, I I didn't actually see frailty. Oh, uh, we should put that on our list. Really? Yeah, it's a great movie. It's surprisingly a great movie. Really, really kind of a creepy little film. Huh. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. I'll see that. Um, he's uh, anyway i i think he did he he did a terrific job in this movie and it makes it it, it, he's sort of the masthead i think of the film the -hmm. character the character masthead of the film that 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 is one of the most memorable pieces um obviously we talked about paul reiser and what a terrific job he did um you know mark ralston uh was you know marine in the first uh part of the film um i just think he's an interesting guy to look at (laughs) <laughs> um, he he's just this tall uh mean mean what does he look just, mean? he just looks mean and, and yet, he looks he looks like somebody who who would regularly have a big thing of acid yes into his skin doesn't yeah, he like yeah. look like that sort of mean guy yes exactly and, and but you know what i think is so interesting about the relationship between mark ralston's character and jeanette goldstein's character is that she still vasquez still uh sort of feels like she has him as subservient to her and i think that's a they they play that really well and they are they are the two smart gunners and and mm-hmm. and you know the tallest guy in the unit and the shortest woman in the unit both have the biggest weapons i think that's uh that was an that was a great play and it, it adds some some interesting character to the unit personality of the unit right um um but we we need to talk about the alien and and yeah. how the aliens changed from that movie to this movie a lot of thought went into it and and, and i'm glad it did because they really wanted these aliens to not just look like people running around in costumes we were going to be seeing so many of them that they had to do something to make them look unique and so yeah so they cast a lot of 
like dancers and acrobats and gymnasts and people who could really move in interesting ways to play these aliens. And I think they only had the budget to make, I want to say like 16 of the costumes, not a lot. Right. Uh, and, and those costumes unique ways. And aside from that, they also did a lot with puppets. They had about 10 different articulated puppets that they could move through hallways and things and, and have them creeping around on walls in ways that really were not things that looked human. And I think that's the biggest strength with this film. And I'll tell you, the one, the, one of the two weaknesses I, I always have a problem with still in Alien is the one moment when the alien reaches out to Dallas when it's about to get Dallas and it just looks like a man going boo you know <laughs> that moment <laughs> yeah i do and, and then the other problem is always the android head when it's not ian holmes right uh, but but be, they real they worked so hard on this film to make the aliens always look real and the the moment for me that always defines it is when they realize that the aliens are in the ceiling mm-hmm. and and Hicks sticks his head up and looks in the with his light, with his flashlight, and you see all these aliens, like you know, they're all moving in these creepy ways coming toward him. And I, for me, that just defines these aliens in this film. Oh, just the way they're hanging on the ceiling. Yeah, just the way they move. Yeah. It just it looks like insects. It doesn't look like people. Well, and I think that's a that's the that was the big change for me. Like when you when you see how they how um you know the Ridley Scott alien ev- sort of evolved and mm-hmm. over 57 years, right? As a, right. you know, and I, I you know, I I got the feeling that the thought that they put into the single alien versus the the um uh the the hive of aliens uh, really is that insect mentality and you get to see how the behavior of the alien changes when it is um you know when it is kind of in the context of other aliens yeah uh, and and i i really liked that i really liked the way uh, the way the film moved uh through time like that with this yeah. with this sort of singular character yeah and that's not even mentioning the queen right which you know we haven't even talked about here, but that was a huge addition that James Cameron brought into this, knowing that he had to do something new, not just the same thing that people had seen, but we needed to get a chance to see something uh, unique in this film as well. And All right. Where do you stand on the Queen controversy? Is there a controversy? Well, I think there is kind of a controversy, particularly in the context of the um, of Alien and the way Alien ended, the director's cut of Alien. Oh, you're talking, you're talking about the eggs. Yeah, the eggs versus the and the the sort of metamorphosis process, right? Uh, like, like there was there was some, you know, when I I was looking at the at the pre aliens reporting on Alien, right? When you go back and you look at at what people had written and the videos, the old videos that you can find on YouTube, where where uh, you know Ridley Scott and team are talking about, um, you know what is going on at the end of alien and and there there is this sort of sense that uh well you know when they when they when they cocoon people they're somehow you know changing into uh you know some part of the alien gestation process 
and mm-hmm. and that there wasn't really a need for a queen or in fact that when James Cameron went and put the queen in the in aliens uh, you end up with uh, a a conflict or or at least some sort of kind of dramatic dissonance why do they need a queen when the alien this perfect uh this perfect creature uh specimen can already reproduce uh without it that was that was part of the controversy so it sounds like you stand well, uh like you you don't even care you don't didn't even I, know no, it. no and here's here's my take i am of the mind that um as has been proven in uh in uh you know s- science and history with animals oh good this is you're going to bring in science to this show I, i'm bringing history, in science. science and history that's right that's right oh man that there are instances where if a species does not have any other of its kind to mate with that it will it has like somehow built into its system a way that basically allows it to reproduce with itself or kind of create another of itself, right? I don't I learned, I, all, this, I I learned don't, all this from Jurassic Park when in, the dinosaur got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> life life finds this a is, way, man. Life this finds is, a way. Exactly. Life finds a way. So my philosophy is we are so sunk. Like this is like why would oh Go ahead. This is, Go ahead. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Share me your philosophy. <laughs> the aliens naturally come from these, you know, the, this reproductive cycle that we've seen, and that it, it all starts with these eggs that are laid by the queen, right? However, if an alien is gets to a place where it is separated from its colony, the only way that it has to reproduce is by using this thing that's deep within its genetic core of creating another egg out of its victims so that, and it may be a different type of egg that normally the queen would lay, but it still is going to be an egg that is going to be able to create a face hugger and start the cycle over again and, and create a whole new uh, branch of the alien family. So that's my philosophy. And that's why I think, they work together still. I, I've never had a problem. Even once I saw Alien, uh, the director's cut, and I saw that, I was like, you know what? It's all by itself. It's the only way that it has to to uh, to keep its species going. That was amazing. <laughs> that was that was amazing. I don't know if that was amazing because I I honestly can't tell you if I feel like you just totally made that up off the spot, like you, you just manufactured a philosophy to answer my question. I almost think that you did. And I'm really impressed by that. You just, you did an amazing job there. I just want you to know that. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. The the budget of this film was $18 million. Yeah. Um, that's, that is so, little compared to today's dollars isn't it that is stunning that i mean you just have to kind of let that sink in because this is a this is what i would classify as a big movie like this is a big movie this was the biggest movie of the year that i saw it certainly i don't remember i don't remember any movie that has stuck with me like this movie Mm -hmm. uh it it seemed to me to it sticks with me as like the biggest production uh the most significant kind of in uh, uh, investment in production design 
yeah. at $18 million. Just for perspective's sake, Avatar, $425 million. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> uh, yeah. Man. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a, a small chunk of change. I mean, it's eighty six dollars we're talking about. So I mean, yeah. obviously there's yeah. some, some time put between it. Sure, between. sure. But you know, it uh, they these were days when people would use that money and they would do a lot with it. You know, Ridley Scott proved that with Alien, yeah. with the little money he had, and uh, I think James Cameron proved that with this one as well. Well, this is um, and it it. It has performed, uh, how we say, uh, well. Yeah. It did very well uh, in the theaters. Do you have the uh, box office in front of you? I, I do. I know you do. It, uh, domestically, it uh, ended up making uh, just over $85 million. Internationally, $98 million. So worldwide, it made $183 million. $183 million on an $18 million bet. Yeah. So they did, uh, they did good with that one. And it got uh, seven. Oscar nominations. Sigourney Weaver got her first um, Academy Award nomination for Best Actress for this. Um, and I think a lot of that came from the development of the story with uh, with Newt. I think that was a very important yeah. element. Um, also, Best Music for uh, James Horner's score. He's one of the J's. We got another J. Yeah, I know. We need to, I need to, I have that list ready to post. James, James, to, Jerry, Jerry, yeah. Joe, John, 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 John. Yes, <laughs> I do. I, I thought you were just, I thought you were just BSing me when you said that last week. And, and it turns out you're totally not. That <laughs> you really actually is. have that list in exactly that order. It's the list of my J composers. What See what I, I want to do? I want to put a, a, a special page up that only has lists. <laughs> we, well, we've got enough of them. I know. Now we do. And I still haven't, ah. Uh, I still haven't finished my cornfields list. <laughs> best, best movies in cornfields. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So that I'm, I will do that this week. I'm going to put up our page of lists, and it's going to start with composers whose name begins with a J. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, going to be awesome. the most obscure page of lists. Uh, uh, I know. I know. People will go there when they're looking for something to help them sleep. <laughs> the movies we like lists of lists. Uh, oh man that is too funny uh so all right so so oh else? so other yeah. best so james horner was nominated for best score and you know this was for a score that he wrote in a very short period of time he didn't even have a film to watch essentially because james cameron was still shooting it and so jerry or, or sorry james horner had to kind of wing it especially like the last scene when ripley's fighting the alien um he had no idea what he was writing. He just, he winged it and hoped that it fit, basically. Uh, and he got an Oscar nomination for it, so kudos to him. Um, it stressed out the relationship between him and James Cameron, and uh, he was convinced he'd never work with James Cameron again. Uh, but lo and behold, James <laughs> came knocking on his door for Titanic, and look who walked away with the Oscar on that one. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, they've been working uh, ever since well on avatar the one other movie <laughs> since right. then well uh, but yeah i know that the, the this i i i have a real problem with the with the score and uh, it's all it's all my fault because when this came around you know i was making movies with my friends in my neighborhood mm -hmm. and we were cribbing uh you know scores as soundtracks yes. and this one is actually the soundtrack serves as the soundtrack to the hit neighborhood film Dr. Turbo Shots and his sidekick Throttle. Nice. In which, in which I play the lead. 
and oh. uh, and and so I can't. When I listen to this movie, I realize how do I how do I know that, and why is this? Why is the music so does just not fit this movie? It's because it turns out it was destined to be in my neighborhood film, Doctor Turbo and Shots and his sidekick Throttle. And you know what's funny is it also ended up in my film. <laughs> Uh, uh, the Wired Gate, <laughs> the, the classic <laughs> serial killer movie <laughs> about a serial killer who wires people's back gates. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty silly. But uh, yeah, I, so, I think the exact same thing. It's, it's just so ru- it's ruined to me. I listened to it. I was like, what is this? What is this goofball fighting with the <laughs> alien? It's just a, it's now it's a comedy. It's That's vaudeville. Right. What's supposed to be happening is. <laughs> This early pay-in to, uh, you know, to Michael Bay. Uh, it's a uh, tribute geez. to the Michael Bay films to come. That's what Dr. <laughs> Turbo Shots was. And so, That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, so it also was nominated for Best... Let me just re- finish yeah, reading Yeah, finish. Do your thing. The Best Art Direction for Peter Lamont and, and Crispian Salas. Did a great job. Best Editing, Ray Lovejoy. Another person working under the gun, along with James Horner frantically trying to cut this thing together because it was being released in a very short period of time. <laughs> uh, best Sound, Graham Hartstone, Nicholas Lemessieux, Michael Carter, and Roy Charman. Um, and then Best Sound Editing by Don Sharp, which uh, he won for that. And Best Visual Effects for uh, Robert Skotak, Stan Winston, John Richardson, and Suzanne Benson. And they won for that. So, uh, so it got two out of seven nominations it won for. So uh, kudos to them. It was a. Uh, it was uh, well worth it. Uh, yeah. It was uh, one of the one of the pieces that uh, that I was watching on this one was David uh, Guy. I should I should say actually the um, um, oh, John. Uh, well, I need to to bring up the link here because I actually need to credit it. Um, uh, I a. Uh, I don't even know if he's a friend of the show, but he's a friend of mine on Facebook. And um, uh, when I posted my picture of of me and the cat uh, watching Aliens last night, uh, uh, my friend John Foster posted a link to Superior Firepower, The Making of Aliens, which is the full mm-hmm. three-hour feature-length documentary plus extras of the extras right. uh, made for the 2003 release, which is actually available in its entirety on YouTube. Uh, I don't know how they, you know, they... I don't either, but the whole thing is up there and I had, uh, I had not looked for it and I I hadn't seen that in, in a long, long time. And it's, uh, it's really worth watching. So I, you know, we'll post a link to that video in particular and thanks to, thanks to John for, for posting that link. Yeah. And it's on the, it's on the Blu-ray if you get it that way, but if uh, you don't have it, then definitely check it out on YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it ends up, it's great that it is there and we have access to it. And, um, I, you know, now that I said that out loud, oh, uh, no, David Geiler, it says in there, you know, I said people who uh, who worked on the film, you know, there were a lot of people on this film who left because of sort of artistic differences, you mm-hmm. know, can kind of write those off to working with James Cameron. And, and, and um, I think it was David Geiler who said, you know, a lot of people said that this, it was just hard to work with James. He's tough, tough mm-hmm. to work with. And, and he, he's, you know, he's prone to these fits of kind of rage when things don't go his way and there's a funny clip of him trying to do they're, they're in the lab scene you know when when um, uh, Ripley and Newt wake up and they realize that the the uh, the face hugger jar has been tossed over and they're alone without a weapon 
and in this room with two face huggers. And uh, he is he's trying to shoot the scene where the face hugger leaps from a cabinet directly into the camera. Mm. And there is a guy standing directly to camera right, and he's holding a piece of fish wire. And you hear James Cameron's voice say really fairly calmly, he says, uh, I just did this with my video uh, just now. It took me seven minutes, and I did the whole thing, and I just, too bad I wasn't, I don't know why we can't do this. I did, what are you, you're not wearing gloves, talking to the guy holding the fish line. And the guy says, I'm fine. And he says, no, you're not wearing gloves. You can't pull this hard when you're not wearing gloves. You go get some gloves and call me when you're ready to work. <laughs> I thought that's that would be a guy who quit. <laughs> that's funny. That is but, funny. But you know, it was it didn't seem to be like they captured a huge gigantic rage uh you know, rage fest, but uh right. but he seems like an exacting guy. Well, and that's interesting cuz he and Ridley Scott I both think are that way. And Ridley Scott says something interesting on the uh the the making of on the Alien film where he says, you know, you have to be the you're the one calling the shots. If you start giving in to people, um, you're not going to end up with what it is that you want. And you may end up, um, you know, not getting into fights with people and you may end up, you know, feeling like you've got these kind of great relationships, and all that. And I'm totally botching how he actually put this very nicely. But he said, you're not going to end up with what you want. And in the end, people are going to it's it's going to be obvious that it's not the vision that you were trying to create and it's less of a less of a film and yes he you're going to create that um dissension at the time but in, in after the fact when people look back on it they'll be able to say you know what he was right you know that it's it's funny you bring that up i the uh, that was another bit that lindelof said in his interview regarding working with um, uh, Ridley. Ridley Scott, he says, you know, I, in many respects, this, the, you know, the way I wrote this film was to sit down with Ridley and ask him a bunch of questions and treat it much more like, uh, Mad Libs. Like, you know, Ridley tells you exactly what he wants to see and then you go write it. And yeah, you inject kind of your, kind of why they brought you in but but this was a very different movie to write because he has such a clear clear vision yep. of what he wants and and ends up taking a, a deep ownership of the screenwriting process uh and you know James Cameron having having actually written the screenplay yeah uh, has even more of a pay. and you know I mean when you write your own uh work you have such a vested uh interest in having it come out just the way you want it well, you're the one who has the picture in yeah. your head. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I found that, uh, that really, um, uh, compelling. And I, I love this movie. I love what came together out of it. It's a movie that just absolutely stands up, uh, in as, as a, a real highlight. And, and I, I say again, I have trouble watching this movie out of the context of alien i think i think i get a much better experience actually watching these two movies back to back and i think i think in fact it should be required that you only watch these movies sequentially <laughs> you know it's funny it's funny that you say that because i you know thinking back on it i realized i actually saw aliens first oh and then i saw alien um I, I I think my my stepmother was like horrified that I saw Aliens uh, without having seen Alien, and so so I saw Alien after the fact, and so 
for me, I mean, I, I, I think between the two, I still would put Alien as the one that I like more, um, you know, as vague as that may be when you say things like that. But Aliens will always stand out as kind of a, a just a strong film by itself for me. I, I don't have that same sense that you do. Yeah, I well, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to recut it. I'm going to recut it. You're going to recut it. I'm going to recut it and I'm going to I'm going to send it to you. The recut. What are you going to call it? Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> Alien. But the S will be in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> or just like maybe redacted. <laughs> nice. uh, I need it. I'm going to need a good good tagline. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll work on that. I got, I got, I, you know, this is, this is when I, I sort of feel like we're, we're skipping a really significant, uh, part, which is the, you know, act three, uh, the rescue. Uh, but I, I, I don't need to talk about it. I, I just, um, yeah, I don't need to either, I guess. I, I just, I only regarding that, I will say everything with the queen and the, the battle and, and bishop um and by the way this is complete aside but there's a track on the uh the soundtrack called queen takes bishop which i just Ugh. i always get a hoot at that that track name because it's yeah. just a great you know reference to chess but um that whole bit i think is just so solid and it's just uh, a testament to the great film that uh that uh, has led up to that point truly yeah, fantastic film. Any other closing closing remarks, um, Your Honor? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we uh, we uh, covered it pretty well. I'm I'm uh, pretty happy with uh, with this film. Me too. We did a we did a great job with this film. We really on the, did. On the cover <laughs> of my official movie magazine, it says yes, Michael Bean in Savage Combat with the <laughs> Alien Army. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome i love it and it's you know better than starship troopers better than starship troopers right. yes it is did you uh in in just uh, uh one final housekeeping note did your actual uh uh piece get picked up by entertainment weekly um i was off by a week they they asked me if they could publish it but um it's not coming out until this friday oh well, so something so to look forward I, to then i know so i'm still you know i'm uh yeah looking forward to opening it up and seeing if they if they uh, used my little prometheus Ooh, i can't wait i know all right go to bed andrew take care of yourself Yes, yes. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your evening. And you. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. 
The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>